Good morning, ladies. Good morning. So nice to see you all this morning. Um, we're going to be going over 1 Corinthians 6, 2, 6 through 3, 23. So like the whole chapter of 3 and like the last bit of 2. It's a pretty large chunk of scripture, so we're going to go over it in chunks. Um, and I'm going to skip my prayer that I wrote because Susan did such a fabulous job doing that. All right, so I just want to start off with in chapter 2. Um, the beginning of chapter two, we're just going to graze over that for a second. He's, um, it starts off saying, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I just want to highlight, uh, here it goes. I just put it down. It's dead. It's dead. Good Lord, that's going to take an act of the Holy Spirit to keep my voice going. Okay, he is good for it. Hallelujah. I just want to highlight that Paul, he came in humility and in weakness and trembling, much like myself today. <laughs> well, yeah, seriously. Um, so that their faith would be in God alone. And um, he didn't come, so anybody here is lofty speech or anything like that and um they don't they don't want to be so wowed by his words that um that's when why they decided to put their faith in jesus right they wanted he wanted them to come genuinely and see his weakness and see how god can be glorified through that and and that he was called despite his weakness right so i just think that's fabulous and as i've been preparing to give you this lesson I've also had so many fears and doubts, and um, I've been very aware of my weaknesses, especially this morning. <laughs> you know, what if I say isn't theologically accurate, or what if I forget to, what to say? How do I even put a Bible study together? I've never done this before, right? So um, just examples of weaknesses as I stand before you guys today. Um, and I'm just grateful that here at Cornerstone we're able to gather together and that we're hungry for the word of God and we want to hear sound teaching and I hope as we talk through this message you all can glean something and you know toss out anything that I say is not sound and um yeah so we're going to start in verse six um he says yet among the mature we do apart wisdom although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of a man imagined, what God has prepared for those who have loved him. These things God revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have not received a spirit of the world, but the spirit of God, a spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The spiritual person does not Sorry, I lost my spot. <laughs> the spirit, the spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who, uh, un, 
for who had understand the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So remember we said that Paul came with much fear and trembling and not with haughty words. He did this so the Corinthians could not rest in anyone or anything aside from the power of God. This, um, he discusses the power further in the passage that we just read. And the secret and hidden wisdom that Paul talks about is the understanding of the gospel, the understanding of the cross. We're incapable of un- discovering true wisdom on our own, the gospel. We could read all the books and have all the knowledge in the world, but unless the Spirit of God reveals it to us, we are not able to understand true spiritual wisdom. Chuck Swindoll's commentary states, Like an iceberg that conceals its depths far beneath the surface, unbelievers cannot see the hidden depths of, depths of wisdom and truth inherent in the Christian faith. Someone who is not spiritual, like Paul says, cannot understand spiritual things. Good news for us, though, as believers, we can Paul tells us that because we have the Spirit of God, we can understand the wisdom of God. A natural person cannot understand the things of the Spirit of God. For example, before I came to Christ, I know people were supposed to like wait until marriage. (laughs) As a believer, I now know that's because God designed marriage and sexuality for his honor and glory. And it's a beautiful act of worship when it's kept within the bounds of of God's design. Another example, I never understood why Christians were so guarded in their entertainment or what they watched and listened to. Like, all my friends were like, oh, I can't watch that, I can't watch that. I mean, I couldn't watch, like, Nickelodeon, but I'm like, why? (laughs) Um, My other friends, they couldn't watch Disney, so I don't know. But I realized, you know, it's because I just thought they were kind of trying to be a little controlling. Um, But I'm reminded that um, you know, Philippians 4 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, if there's anything excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So I'm so grateful that I matured in my walk with Christ and the Spirit has revealed wisdom to me like this. Swindle also comments, Only the mature in Christ can possess this wisdom, which should give spiritual babes incentive to grow. For the deeper we grow in the truth of God, not taught by human wisdom, but by the Spirit, the more we'll have to grow toward spiritual maturity. Hebrews 5, 13 through 6, 1 says this about spiritual maturity. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid foods is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrines doctrine of Christ and go on towards maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. So what does it mean to be mature in Christ? The author of Hebrews tells us that someone who is mature in Christ is someone who has learned how to distinguish between good and evil. How do we do that? We learn how to differentiate the two by leaning in and studying it and studying what is good. Um, There's a saying that I heard once, and it's, if you stare into the abyss, the abyss stares back into you. Personally, I have found that to be true. When I watch scary movies or even the scenes in a movie, I'm filled with fear. And at the end, I end up having like nightmares about the scenes and they impact my thoughts. But when I spend, and I went and I spend time with people who are grumbling and complaining, I myself tend to have a spirit of ungratefulness. So what then should we do? Instead of looking into the evil things to find out what not to do, we need to be filling our minds with the light of the word of God because where there is light, there cannot be darkness. And 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, For what partnership has 
righteousness with, with lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness. God wants us to delight in his word and let it change our hearts, and he wants us to have the mind of Christ, which it stands in stark contrast to the wisdom of man. The next section, Paul kind of calls the Corinthians out for not being spiritually mature and kind of having fellowship with the darkness, right? So he says, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ, I fed you with milk, but not solid food, for you are not ready for it, and even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, and you are not of the flesh, behaving only in a human way. For when one says, I follow Paul, and I follow another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What then is, what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but, God, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you're God's field, God's building. The church in Corinth had several problems, but, God, but Paul starts his letter calling them out on how they were still living in the flesh. They were engaging in sinful things that was stunting their ability to grow into mature believers. Instead of being mature believers who were unified in the mind of Christ, they were quarreling about who is the better apostle. Um, they totally missed the point. It wasn't about the accolades or gaining followers for men by whom they were preached the gospel. It was about Jesus and what he did on the cross. Their behavior of jealousy and strife, and we'll find out later, their other various sins, was making, was making them appear to be no different than before they were saved. If anyone in Corinth saw them, they would not have been, been able, people would not have been able to see a church who lived any differently than them. The church in Corinth was planted five years prior to Paul writing this letter. So after five years of becoming believers, they were still only being fed spiritual milk. I think about my baby, Maverick. When Paul talks about spiritual milk, <laughs> he's eight, almost nine months old. Right now, he's in this cute and incredibly terrifying stage of learning how to eat real food. This boy, he loves his milk. It nourishes him, and he finds comfort in it. However, when he sees a big plate of food, he is delighted. He loves food. His eyes get real big, and he starts bopping around like dances. And then he gets loud, and most of all, he reaches out to grab it. He is just that excited about real food. Even though he doesn't know what's coming, he just sees the food, and he wants it. I mean, hello, hello broccoli. <laughs> um, the spiritual milk that Paul is referencing is the elementary principles of the gospel. The Corinthians prized wisdom and knowledge, but they had a hard time being corrected because of their love of their sin. They were comfortable with the evangelic message of the gospel, so long as it didn't get too deep, you know? John MacArthur says, The congregation wants scripture to be preached so superficially that their sin is not exposed, much less rebuked and corrected. They knew the gospel. They knew the foundation of their faith. They weren't going to lose it, but they weren't building upon it like they should have been, and that led them to, be, to build it upon them with sinful things. The next passage says, According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let, no one, let, let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So no one, anyone who builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, 
Each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple and God's spirit dwells within you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Here God's saying yet again that the foundation of their faith must be on Jesus Christ. Not only should their foundation be on Christ, but as they take care, how they, should, they must take care of how they build upon it, like we talked about earlier. Once they're saved, their salvation cannot be taken away. However, at the day of judgment, their works are going to be tested. Anything that a person did in their salva- after their salvation was for eternal glory, and they will be given a reward for it, and everything else is going to be burned away. In 2 in second Timothy 4.8, Paul says this about eternal reward. Henceforth, I, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to those, all those who have loved his appearing. Wow, I cannot wait for that day. Knowing that he's going to crown me with a crown of righteousness, I hope. <laughs> and I'm able to enter into the heavenly gates because Jesus took my sin on the cross. When he sees me, he's not going to see my sin, but he's going to see Jesus in my place. How exciting is that? Unfortunately, the Corinthians were not building on their salvation with spiritual wisdom. They were engaging in many things such as sexual immorality, and these types of things would have been tested and ultimately burned up. And Paul says, do you not know that you're God's temple and the spirit dwells in you? If God destroys, and if anyone destroys God's temple, God's going to destroy them. But you're God's, you are, for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. We're God's temple. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. God's temple is holy, so that means we got to be holy. And what does holy mean? It means to be set apart and reserved to give glory to God, right? So that means not only does what we do with our external actions matter for eternity, but also our inmost spirit and thoughts. The Corinthians were not acting like holy and set-apart people. They certainly knew. Where am I? Hold on. I'm sorry. Lost my spot. Just thinking about the temples that were around them at the time. There was one for Aphrodite. There was one. uh, There's they're all over the place. So they knew that temples were a place where you worshiped. And so Paul uses this as an example to say that our bodies are a temple meant for God's glory and worship. And finally, he ends with, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly for God, folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness and again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, and they are futile. So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, or the word of life or death or present or future, all are yours, and you are Christ, and Christ is God. So here Paul gives, kind of gives a summation of all of chapters 1 through 3, right? So one, if you think you're wise or not. Two, the wisdom of this world is folly to God. We've learned that over and over again already, right? You cannot boast in men. If you do, it's vain. And we're called to be unified in Christ. I love what my Bible states in the comments about this passage. Arrogance is the root of divisiveness in Corinth. 
The Corinthians need to learn that they, are ultimately, that they ultimately belong to God, not to the leader who baptized them, who was himself only fulfilling God's purposes. They should therefore only boast in God. All right, that's all. Let's pray. Praise God. Praise God. <laughs> all right. God, thank you again so much for giving us your word so that we can know you better. Thank you for not only giving us the gospel as the foundation of our faith, but for giving us the Holy Spirit to help us continue to grow in spiritual wisdom and in maturity. Thank you that we do not have, that we do not have to go looking for it or go to a physical building, but we can access your spirit at any time. Please help us to never take that lightly, Lord. I ask that you'll help us be unified in you and help us to have the mind of Christ. I ask that if there's any jealousy and strife among us, that you will be merciful to help us address it. In your holy and precious name we pray. Oh, and thank you for giving me a voice to speak. In your name we pray. Amen.